Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now after three years, five flight instructors and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way Part-Time Pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the Part-Time Pilot Audio Ground School Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome in pilots, student pilots, whoever is out there listening. Welcome to the Audio Ground School Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Yeah, that's great. Just love you guys. Thank you for listening. Our podcast has, I think it's been a while since I've sort of made an update on sort of our statistics. Now I'm, I'm recording this in about April, but it's going to come out in June. But in terms of in April, I just want to talk a little bit, you know, where we're at. We, we started the podcast. Oh man. Uh, let's see here. We started the podcast. I'm kind of looking up on my stats. Our first episode was July 30th of 2022. So we're coming up. This one should be on June 5th when it's released. So we're coming up. We're about two months away from from our one year anniversary since we launched the podcast. And so far, you know, again, this is in April. So I guess when I'm recording this and I'm looking at these stats, it's actually, you know, about four months away from our one year. So we've been at this for, for about eight months. And you guys have just been so great listening to this. I can tell just from the feedback that this is a very valuable tool for you guys. And man, it makes sense because I wish I had something like this when I was a student pilot. I mean, I was in traffic driving to my flight lessons for, for 45, 50 minutes there and back sometimes. If I could consume my ground school during that time and refresh, you know, stuff like that, that would have been just, just an awesome, awesome thing. So I get why it's popular and I'm going to continue to do it and provide this for you guys. But really it's, it's not possible without you guys listening, you guys subscribing, you guys leaving reviews. So thank you guys. And I just want to mention we're again, this is at April. So, so eight months in we're at 34,000 downloads total downloads we get about now over a thousand downloads a day that's like seven thousand people in a week listening to our episodes if you say okay not the majority of those people are subscribed but let's say you know they download one episode to listen to a week you can say that's about seven thousand different people listening on any given week so lots of student pilots out there listening to this and and yeah so i just want to say thank you guys i remember you know announcing this when we got to ten thousand or even even a thousand downloads was pretty exciting and now we're up to a thousand downloads a day and we're approaching you know 30, we're at 34,000 downloads total. So really cool. Maybe we'll have to do something fun for the 100,000 downloads. I don't know. But just wanted to say, give you guys an update on that and say thank you very much for supporting us. Okay, so in today's episode, we're going to continue section 10 of the online ground school on human factors. And in the last episode, if you missed it, it was a good one. We talked about supplemental oxygen, why you need it. And then we talked about hypoxia in the next lesson, which is kind of why you need supplemental oxygen. And we even talked about hypoxia 
hyperventilation. And in this episode, we're going to talk about ear and sinus concerns, motion sickness, and spatial disorientation. So again, more sort of medical stuff. I kind of threw out this caveat in the last episode. I am not a medical professional. All this information I got in here is from, you know, the FAA and their medical sources. I wanted to be very clear that if I was providing any sort of information or tips that had anything to do with medical that could, you know, possibly cause some sort of complication with anything that it came from a good source and the source on flying and medical, which is the FAA and their medical doctors. So I just want to give that disclaimer out. And if there's a doctor out there that has any disagreements on this stuff, please send us an email. I love to learn more and give the best information as possible on these sorts of topics. So please. And then the last sort of disclaimer, these are generalizations, right? So we talked about hyperventilation and said, you know, breathing into a bag is good to help with that, right? That's a generalization. You know, I don't know if there is a situation where a person, maybe you have a condition where that doesn't help or that that's not a good thing to do, right? You need to speak you know, if you have these certain conditions, you need to speak with your aviation medical examiner, your doctor, make those decisions with your medical team and your people. So that's just a disclaimer out there. These are just sort of widespread information from the FAA that help generally most people and things that I've seen to work in the past. They are not going to work for everybody. And I am not a medical professional trying to tell you what to do medically. All right. I just want to put that disclaimer out there and without further ado, let's get going. All right. So lesson four, ear and sinus concerns. While flying, your ear passages between the inner, middle, and outer ear, as well as your sinuses, need to be able to effectively equalize pressure between themselves and the external atmosphere. If they are unable to do so, a pilot or passenger in an airplane can suffer several uncomfortable and even severe symptoms that are unsafe for flight. The middle ear refers to the group of bones and muscles, also called the ossicles, I believe I'm saying that right, that sit in the tympanic cavity between the outer and inner ear and act as an amplifier of sound energy that enters the outer ear and vibrates the eardrum on its way to the inner ear and fluid-filled cochlea. So this this stuff is crazy when you learn about how we hear in the inner ear and all this stuff. Like, I can't even believe that this is ever real. Humans really are the most advanced machine ever, ever made. Just saying we're all in the movie Terminator or something, but it's just pretty crazy how this stuff works. So we talked about the middle ear, what that is, it's, you know, it's those bones and muscles, also called the ossicles in between the outer and inner ear. And efficient and effective hearing requires an intact and free to vibrate eardrum, working ossicles, and well-ventilated tympanic cavity. In order for the eardrum to vibrate freely in a ventilated tympanic cavity, the pressure within the middle ear must equal the pressure in the external atmosphere. The eustachian tube is used to equalize this pressure. The eustachian tube lies between the tympanic cavity in the middle ear and the throat. The eustachian tube can be thought of as a pressure release valve for your ear that can be operated by moving the jaw. All right, now we have a diagram of this because you're probably hearing all these medical words and if you're like me, you're like, what the hell does that mean? That's why these visual aids are good. You, you see the ear, you have the ear canal, you got the eardrum, you got the middle ear, you got the inner ear, and you, have, you see the middle ear kind of in this cavity. That's the tympanic cavity. And then 
then you see that there's this eustachian tube that kind of goes towards the mouth and it kind of connects it all. So you, you got the ear canal coming from, you know, your ear hole and that kind of goes to the eardrum and then you have the middle ear right there and then the eustachian tube continues on after that to sort of the throat and mouth area. Again, the eustachian tube regulates pressure in the middle and inner ear through the throat. This pathway is clogged, inner ear pain and loss of function can occur. High altitudes multiply these symptoms. The sinuses are spaces of air within bones and tissues. There are four sinuses of concern for pilots. So if we continue on from the eustachian tube to the throat and nose area, this is where we're talking about in the sinuses. And again, we have a picture of these sinuses on this sort of drawing of this dude. We have two sinus areas on either, like above either eye, above the inner part of the eye, inside of your eye, close to the nose, on either eye, just right above sort of your eyebrow. That's called the frontal sinus. And then you have two areas sort of to the right and left of the bottom of your nose. And those are called the maxillary sinus. And then you also have things called ethmoid air cells that are kind of little pockets of air. And then sphenoid sinus, which is kind of in the middle of the nose. And then I know it's a lot of terms. It really helps if you go in the online ground school. But these four sinuses lie behind the eyes and nose and between the nose and ears. These sinuses also utilize small orifices called ostia or ostia, which allow pressure to equalize between the sinuses and the external atmosphere. So there's all just think of pressure vessels or these volumes of they want to be regulated with the outer atmosphere. And if they're not, just like when we talked about how our airspeed indicator, our altimeter work, we had these like those rubber balls that would fill up. I'm blanking on the name right now. How those old school instruments work, right? They have this ball filled with sea level pressure. And then as you change altitude, right, the altitude, the pressure on the outside is going to decrease. And so that ball, that rubber ball will actually expand because now that sea level pressure inside is actually more than the inside. It doesn't have equilibrium with the outside. So the ball wants to expand. So if this happens in your sinuses or, you know, your eustachian tube, right, you have like sea level air in there. And then you go up to altitude where the outside air pressure is lower, that air pressure inside in your sinuses and stuff is going to want to expand. Well, your sinuses and your station tube aren't like this rubber ball diaphragm that is meant to expand. That expansion process doesn't, doesn't really happen. Instead, you get this pressure and you get this pain in your sinuses, in your head and ears. And that's basically what's happening because of that pressure differential that you're unable to equilibrate with the outside air pressure. Again, when flying the external atmospheric pressure changes quite often, Often, particularly during climbs and descents, it increases descending, increases while ascending or climbing. Sometimes these changes in pressure can occur too quickly for the pressure release valves or our middle ear and sinuses to react and the pressure will not be immediately equalized. Okay, this is what we feel like when our ears pop, right? And then when we come down to land, we're like, ah, oh, man, my ears are still popping. We're trying to like yawn and like move our jaw until they pop. You know, it happened too quickly and you got some things stuck in there. These orifices and these tubes and stuff, they're small. So if it happens too quickly, it's just too rapid of a change. And then that pressure kind of gets stuck in there. So you got to kind of wiggle it out and let it get released. That's what's happening when your kind of ears are popping and getting clogged. This unequalized pressure in the sinuses and middle ear can cause headaches, discomfort, and impaired hearing. During a climb, the middle ear and eustachian tube can usually be equalized without too much effort and the occasional help moving the jaw or closing the nose and mouth and blowing air, otherwise known as the Valsalva method. However, during a descent, the 
higher air pressure outside the eustachian tube makes these methods less effective. The sinuses and ostia generally have no trouble equalizing pressure by themselves, but can be blocked of doing so when a pilot is sick with sinuses that are clogged with mucus. Luck. When sick with a cold, flu, or even allergies, both the sinuses and eustachian tubes will become clogged and unable to equalize pressure, even when using these sort of techniques like, you know, yawning, jaw opening, or blowing air. This is why it is not advised to fly at high altitudes while sick or stuffed up. Blocked sinuses and eustachian tubes can cause pain, vertigo, disorientation, headaches, and impaired hearing, which can be quite severe during the most subtle pressure changes during a climber descent. These symptoms of great danger to pilots and pilots are advised to always perform the I'm safe checklist before each and every flight to self-evaluate and foresee these types of issues. So what is the I'm safe checklist? I'm gonna save that for later. We're gonna get to that in a later lesson, but you may have heard of it. It's a self-assessment tool to make sure you are good to go for flight. And that, you know, we do that with the aircraft. We pre-assess the aircraft, make sure all the systems on the aircraft are working. We got to do that with ourselves as well. So at the least, being stuffed up or sick, having blocked sinuses is going to be a pain in the arse when you're flying at high altitudes. That's at the least. It's going to be distracting, right? It's going to be painful and distracting. That's at the least. But it can cause disorientation or vertigo, or you can't even hear when ATC is trying to talk to you. One, a distraction is already unsafe, but then you start adding things where you're, it's limiting your abilities to even operate the aircraft, and that is extra, double, triple unsafe. So that is why we do that on safe checklist, and that is why sinuses are very important to pilots and while flying. So that's the lesson there. Those visuals really help to see the sinuses and the inner ear. I know those words were probably very new to you. They were new to me. And so go check out those when you get a chance. All right, so that is the lesson on ear and sinus concerns. Let's move on now to our next lesson, lesson five on motion sickness. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to the lessons. Hey pilots, this is Nick again. Did you guys know that Part-Time Pilot now has a private pilot test prep book that you can buy on Amazon? It's a physical book that you can buy on Amazon to help prep for your FAA written exam. So it's like the other test prep books out there, you know, the Jepson, Asa, or the Gleam, Glime, however you pronounce it. It's just like those, but I called ours the ultimate private pilot test prep because not only does it give you a synopsis of each subject, like the cliff notes, like those other books do, and then it gives you FAA written questions to practice and quiz yourself on to, to prep for the test, but it also goes much, much further further and that's why we call it the ultimate private pilot test prep book so for each subject it also has a qr code so that as you're reading it if you want more information you can scan the qr code on your phone or your tablet and it will immediately pull up a youtube video that you can watch on the subject there's also qr codes in there for additional downloads including faa pdfs subject area checklists and more pdfs from us that you can download for free it also includes a a coupon code and QR code where you can go enroll in online practice tests for free and receive the PDF version of the book 
completely free. All that is with simple, easy to use QR codes inside the book. And then we also, not only does it have the cliff notes of all the information, but it also includes mnemonic devices and visual aids, such as diagrams, tables, and images that are labeled, such as like a METAR that is labeled every single thing that is included and deciphered in the METAR or a TAF. Also the performance charts, step-by-step -step labeled steps on performance calculation charts. So it's not just cliff note bullet points, it's that plus much, much more, these visual aids, all in 404 pages in the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep book. And it is only $37. So you can go check that out on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. So go check it out. Hey pilots, this is Nick. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast, you may have heard us talk about core aviation headsets and how with the coupon code part-time pilot, you can get 10% off and free shipping. Well, I just wanted to let you know that that got even better. You can now get 15% off and free shipping. So an extra 5% off on core aviation headsets. These are a fantastic beginner headset. Now I say beginner just because they are at a beginner price. You know, when we're starting off with flight training, we want to keep all our funds for flight training because it is so expensive. And this gives us that affordable option to do that. But then it's not exactly a beginner headset because I have still had my core aviation headsets that I got way back when, when I was a student pilot. It's almost five years ago. It's still working great and I've had zero problems with it. So with that 15% off now, use coupon code part-time pilot. I'll put a link in the show notes. But with that, you get 50% off, you get free shipping. You can get your very own headset for I think less than $100 still. So and or or you can get their more advanced headset for less than $200. That is a steal and it is way better than sharing those sweaty old headsets that have issues and connection issues at your flight school. So go ahead and check out Core Aviation Headsets and use code part-time pilot. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. And we are continuing on to the lesson on motion sickness. The brain receives information from three different sources in order to determine body awareness. These three sources are vision, vestibular, which is inner ear sensing, and kinesthetic, which is senses in the joints, skin, and muscles. So if you were to close your eyes, you know, and these senses, if you've ever been in like a motion simulator, or I remember I was young and I went to Disney World, like I think it was Epcot, and they had this like NASA astronaut simulator where they put you in this small little like almost like you're in a space capsule and they, it's like this mission to Mars and I got so stinking sick in that thing and that basically it, it takes the idea of your all three of your senses not just your vision so they have a screen for your vision but your vestibular the inner ear and your kinesthetic which is sensing in the joint skins and muscles it adds that little bit of movement to replicate those senses the whole program so that's what that's happening and Motion sickness is caused when different or conflicting information is gathered by the brain from these sources. So I guess when I got motion sick on those, I guess I was getting some conflicting information. I, I wasn't believing that I was actually in the spaceship. Or I don't know. It was terrible. So this can occur while flying when visibility is poor because the brain is feeling movement from the vestibular and kinesthetic senses, but it is not seeing the same thing through vision because you can't see, right? If visibility is poor, you can't see anything. Abrupt and unexpected movements can also cause 
this confusion. So maybe that's what why I was getting it in that simulator. The brain reacts in the same way to motion sickness as it does from eating bad food, and it is programmed to get rid of anything in the stomach. This is why we vomit when we are motion sick. In flying, this is referred to as air sick. Pilot can become aware of air sickness if they begin to experience an upset stomach sensation because the brain is preparing the body to get rid of your food. An increase in salivation, swallowing, and burping are other clues that a pilot may be getting air sick. However, sometimes there is no upset stomach sensation, but instead the sensations of feeling drowsy, sweating, confusion, and difficulty focusing on pilot tasks are felt. Air sickness can happen to everyone, but a number of factors can increase the probability of getting air sick. Now, before I list these, I just want to mention that we've had several students come to me and ask i took my discovery flight flying has been a dream of mine and then i go and i take my discovery flight and it was the worst experience imaginable i was sick the whole time i threw up when i got back barely made it back fortunately i think flying is just not for me i'm not cut out for it i'm just it's just not for me and for anyone out there thinking that hold on a sec <laughs> motion sickness sucks 100 but i'm here the first one to tell you that my first discovery flight i got sick it freaking sucked i got sick and i never get sick anymore now okay and i know very very many people where that case is the same. Motion sickness and the lack thereof is a learned skill for most people. Not for everybody, but for most people, it's something that you can get used to. You can get used to the quick accelerations of turbulence while in an aircraft and in a small aircraft. Just think like just driving a car, at one point you weren't used to that, but then you got your body got used to it and these movements you get used to. The same thing for flying. So if that happens to you, don't give up. I would give it at least, and I know it sucks, I know it's painful, but I would give it at least three flights, maybe four or five flights if you haven't gotten any better after that then maybe flying is not for you but as we see we're going to talk about some things that can make this worse and some things that can make it better so if you're struggling with that pay attention try to implement some of these things really before you quit give it a good go for the vast majority of people that get motion sick on day one or two it ends up going away don't throw away your dreams just for one bad flight i know it's horrible but don't give up all right air sickness can happen to everyone but a number of factors can increase the probability of a pilot getting air sick. Those are consuming alcohol. Now, obviously we don't consume alcohol as pilots, eight hours bottle to throttle. We went over that requirement a long time ago. If for some reason you do, you know, you kind of deserve to get air sick at the same time. <laughs> so it's just something that it causes. And then you got anxiety, stress, smoking tobacco. So that's a big one right there. I mean, not as many people smoke tobacco nowadays, but smoking tobacco can make that more of a factor and you can get air sick much more easier. I've actually heard that firsthand by some people. Bad odors can cause you to get air sick more large meals that are high in salt protein and or dairy so before you know your discovery flight you want to avoid big salty dairy cheesy pizza burger type meals okay so before your flight you don't want to be on an empty stomach but maybe that's a time for you know a protein shake or yeah, I said high in protein, but maybe it's time for a salad or some vegetables or something like that instead of a big meal. And then you can save your big meal for when you get back. And then lastly, abrupt movements. Consuming alcohol, anxiety, stress, smoking tobacco, bad odors, large meals, high in salt, protein, or dairy, and abrupt movements can all increase the probability of getting air sick. Furthermore, it has been found that younger people, females, and athletes are more susceptible to motion sick, but there isn't much a pilot can do about those factors. To prevent becoming air sick, here's what a pilot can do. And 
I know I just kind of threw those stats out there and I was felt weird to me, but there's actually some studies that show that younger people, females and athletes. And that's, I thought that was pretty, pretty wild. Not sure why, but if anyone out there knows why shoot me a message and that'd be an interesting fact to know. So to prevent getting airsick, a pilot can obviously don't smoke or drink alcohol, avoid large meals and eat a light, non-salty, non-spicy meal with minimum dairy and protein and do it about three hours before the flight. Don't eat right before the flight. Let your body digest it a little bit, right? So at least three hours before flight. You don't want to be hungry for your flight or starving, but you want to be well-fed. Uh, relax and use breathing techniques to quell anxiety and stress. Again, there's, there's a lot of breathing techniques like the box technique where you breathe in for five seconds, hold it for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, rest for five seconds, and then repeat. So that's a good technique if you're feeling anxious or stressed. Also, you can count, you know, you count the breath. So breathe in, one, two, three, four, five, hold, one, two, three, four, five, breathe out. One, two, three, and just repeat that over and over if you're feeling anxious and stressed. And I know it's easy for someone to say when they're not in the middle of an anxiety or stress attack, but it really does help. Then wear clothing that can easily be removed and is comfortable. Now we're not telling you to just get naked up there, but if you have a, you, know, you get hot flashes when you get anxious or sick. So if you have a jacket on, make sure it's comfortable and easy to take off while you're flying. You don't want to have something that just like has a million zippers and just locks you in there. So have comfortable and easily removable or added on clothing, right? You can take it off or put it back on easily. So what happens, you did all these and you you still go flying and start to feel sick. What is there to do? Well, pilots can attempt to try the following methods that have been known to quell air sickness during a flight. Open the air vents to get cool, fresh air. So stagnant, warm air, stagnant air, air breathed in from your passengers. Get that out of there. Cycle in some new, fresh, cool air. Take off any excess clothing that's making you feel hot or constricted. We talked about that a little bit. Concentrate on flying and the tasks of flying only. Become one with the aircraft and its movement. That, that's a big one. That's one that helped me a lot. Even when I was a passenger, you know, even when my flight instructor, so, you know, the discovery flight I went up, my flight instructor was doing most of the stuff the first time, right? And I noticed that as I was the PIC more and I was the one doing it, my motion sickness was less and less. There, it would still creep up sometimes when my flight instructor was the one doing everything. If I just sat there and kind of like watched them or just like watched outside the window and wasn't doing much, then it creeped back up. So what I do is like in my mind, I kind of act like I'm still flying. I'm listening to my instructor, but I'm kind of miming what they're doing. I have my hand on the yoke. I'm not pushing against what they're doing over there in the other seat, but I just have it. I'm feeling what they're doing. I'm feeling the rudder pedals, kind of going through my checklist in my mind as if they were doing it, listening on the radios, all that stuff. And I think that's helpful to learn from your flight instructor, but also to limit that motion sickness. Another one is focus on the horizon. So, you know, if you're focusing on, on your instruments or something that can lead your mind to be confused, right? If you're not seeing what's happening, if you're not seeing that you're turning, but you're feeling that you're turning, that can cause, you know, some confusion and make you motion sick. So focus on the horizon is a good one because that'll give you your attitude with the horizon will, will correctly match if you have good visibility. Use supplemental oxygen if you have it. That's been known to help. And then vomit. Yeah, they have little puke bags. And I know that when I've been sick, whether it be, you know, from whatever reason, that if I do eventually throw up, maybe pull out the puke bag, puke in it, zip it up and see if you feel better because chances are you will. And I know that's kind of the last resort, but it is a tactic. 
<laughs> so, all right. So this lesson took a little bit longer than I thought. So I think we're going to call this episode here. We're going to save spatial disorientation for next week. I think this is a good place to stop. Disorientation has a lot to do with motion sickness. They're very similar. We'll talk about kind of the differences and what it is. And then we'll also talk about how spatial disorientation leads to like some illusions, things like the lean graveyard spin. And we'll talk about all those as well. That's kind of a, a little bit of a longer lesson. So we'll save that for next time. So we'll talk about that. And then maybe we'll get into carbon monoxide poisoning and scuba diving. Yeah, scuba diving. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that and why we need to talk about that next week. Again, thank you so much for being a listener. Please share with your friends, subscribe. Let's get to that 100,000 downloads. And I'm going to have to do something special for all of us for that 100,000 downloads episode. So thank you again and fly safe out there. All right. Talk to you later. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is, you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time, fly a plane for the first time everything's great and dandy but once you get into you know bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight things get a little more advanced and when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts you're gonna hit a wall you're gonna start to get behind the aircraft and when this happens if you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're gonna say, okay, we need to do one-on-one ground lessons. And now you're gonna be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead 50, 60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And, at, and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gain, the currency, the proficiency that you gain is going to be lost and you're gonna to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they, 
continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft, they start making mistakes, and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again. And they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family, they finally say, you know what, this has to stop. We can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress, you know, and they end up quitting. Now, so how do we avoid that? Well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read, so for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices. Have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos. Or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.